Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. The dreams of youth are the regrets of maturity. You got that right. Welcome to The Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia, the darkness hail. <laughs> oh, I was wondering what beauty you're going to give me from this one. So people, <laughs> if you don't, well, here's a couple of things just to lead in here. So if you don't know, we are the Canon Canon. We are the podcast where we talk about Canon films and all of their amazing output. And now. Big and. Have, big, big and. So we have realized recently that uh canon's empire was vast you know at a certain point uh they looked upon their empire and they wept because there were no more countries to conquer uh uh one of the countries that they had conquered at some point was in their heyday of we've got way too much money and we're putting out 46 movies a year. <laughs> they also were like, you know what we should do? We should buy Thorn slash EMI slash HBO video in other countries, which also included, and we've seen pictures of it, Canon fucking movie theaters at one point. What a dream, by the way. I, I mean. I mean, could you imagine if our life was <laughs> going to I would have I would have risked COVID. Much quicker than I have, <laughs> and jumped in a canon movie theater to see some bullshit. Uh, but so what that means is only really recently, we always kind of knew this, but we stumbled upon, and our good friend Austin Trunick, I also realized Frank uh, mentioned in the second volume of the Canon Film Guide, everyone should be getting the f- Canon Film Guide. He's got a whole chapter talking about all of the licenses and ownership that they have done. So I got to oh, feel really? it's going to open up some new realms. But this has opened up new realms because we realized there are so many movies that start in their trailer with a Canon film logo and they should not have a Canon film logo necessarily. No. And because of that, we were like, we're going to we're going to do some episodes on some of these puppies. I yeah. I keep finding new ones. I texted you the other day we're going to do Terminator at some point. <laughs> we're going to <laughs> do just fun. looking for the excuses of it. Look, we know you um actually people oh out my there. God. Yes. Uh, uh, but it's uh it's not a canon. <laughs> uh, uh but I Yeah, you don't need to um actually us people. We we're know We're explaining it. We know. We have over It's our podcast. <laughs> exactly. We have over explained and we also talk all the time about how we are two dummies who know yeah. nothing about the things that we love but know way yeah. too much about everything we love. Yeah. So get off our backs if we're not getting the exact details right in a 180 character tweet. But what yeah. I am saying here is <laughs> we got First Blood coming and we've got so many interesting new ones mixed in with some of the classics. Again, yeah. as Frank said, it's our podcast. We do could have been a candidate. We got hard pivots coming, baby. Yeah. <laughs> We we're did gonna, a hard we're pivot. We're going to veer off. We're going to Get off our jock guy. Exactly. Uh, and we're probably going to do some hard pivots that are, uh, you know, I think you people are going to like. But today, uh, today we are covering, covering one of those HBO video classics. Uh, so much so that when I said they, sh- they shove 
the logo on. I watched the trailer for this, and it really does feel like someone who just learned how to do linear editing just slammed <laughs> the Canon logo onto the original Ridley Scott trailer. Like Somebody there is, quickly says Canon. You know, basically, they forgot to put the music on, so I was like, oh, shit, Canon. Uh, and you're like, you should have cut out the oh, shit. Uh, but today, we are doing the 1986 classic to some movie ridley scott film legend legend oh man and i'll also say this is a fantastic one because it is we'll see if it ends up being one of our more divisive ones divisive between me and frank oh yeah like immediately when it started i was like we are gonna have some battles about what side of the line we are on with legend and that's why I am so happy that we have a guest who is hopefully going to be on one of our sides a little bit stronger, <laughs> and I've, I'm really hoping it's on mine. But it's the tiebreaker, yeah. <laughs> we need a tiebreaker for this. But So our fantastic guest, a good friend, uh, you know him from the amazing band Photo Crime, Cat Magic Punk, Shirt Killer, Ryan Patterson. Greetings. Welcome to The Hello. Cannon Cannon. Hello, happy to be here. Uh, we are so happy to have you. <laughs> am I the ref? Am I the referee today? We'll find <laughs> yes, out. I think so. uh, right. Yeah, or or you'll somehow be indifferent, and then we'll need another ref to come in, and we'll call someone. I am not indifferent. No. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, that is one of the reasons. So you know, when we talked about it, you gave me a couple options, and I jumped right on Legend because honestly, I you know I wanted to talk about Ridley Scott with you. I wanted to talk about Tangerine Dream with you. I wanted to talk about Brian Ferry with you. Uh, And, you know, all of that wrapped up. So, like, you know, we are old friends. We met on tour together. Uh, Your old band Coliseum, my old band Panthers. We opened up for the (laughs) Mad Men that are high on fire. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A totally weird and wild six-week tour. (laughs) Uh. And weird and wild because you and I are not partiers. No, no. <laughs> and in fact, are just kind of fucking nerds who want to go watch movies. <laughs> well, I, I, my my longstanding story is that that tour was like, it was like a six hour show because it was High on Fire Mono co-headlining and they each played for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Panthers played for 45 minutes, Coliseum 30 or whatever. And we played first and I remember playing... What was the, the the high, like the three or four story venue in New York City that used to be the Ritz? Uh, Irving. Irving Plaza, maybe? Okay. Yeah, because we played Irving and, and Music Hall. Okay, so we played there. I played, left the venue, went to see Eastern Promises with a friend at the end of the block, came yeah. back, and the show was still going on. And I thought, this is the best day of tour I've ever had in my entire life. And so. I remember being bummed because yeah. I hadn't seen you for a couple hours and you came back like to the merch table or something. And I was like, where the fuck were you? And you're like, I saw Easter Bros. Like, you asshole. I'm like twinkling. I'm, I've got, I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. So it's movie. You had to play you a were show. The, you were the smart man fitting in going to see a movie. Because it was also like, I remember at the time being like, I really got to see Eastern Promises. I think it's going to be out of the theater by the time we get the fuck back from this long ass right. tour where we are driving very long distance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we had the, we played Minneapolis, had one day off and played Vancouver the next day, 
that was a nightmare. How do you? How does that even physically happen? Yeah, it's it unreal. physically happens if you are the headlining band and right. you have a place you can sleep that is your moving unit. Right, it, and it, then it, us schlubs, yeah, <laughs> had to leave. I mean, I think we both just left as soon as the Minneapolis show was done. That's what I did. Like, I, I did probably we, left before the show was over. I think. Yeah, I yeah. think you did. Like, yeah. because like you were just like we got weeks of this it's not like i need to stick <laughs> right. around yeah and you're like you also could sometimes read the room and be like eh, probably not gonna sell any more coliseum shirts tonight right yeah it's done <laughs> so, yeah um but yeah so i was uh, but you know one of the reasons i love that tour is we met uh and also were able to kind of bond over many things but one of the things we bonded over of was movies yeah um and kind of you know getting into some like longer talks about movies um so I, you know, one of the ways we uh, like to start with the guests is kind of talking about what was your kind of history with movies slash video stores slash Canon growing up? Yeah, I think Canon was not quite, but right under like Orion pictures when I was a kid. Like if I was a kid and Orion came on the screen, I was like, this fucking rules. Like, yes. <laughs> and it's funny now as an adult, because you see a lot of, you know, they, they, produced or distributed all sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. It was probably mainly due to RoboCop and a few other things. Yes. So Canon was right under that where I wasn't as cognizant of it because obviously there's a lot of crap. And, but yeah, it was, it was right in there for sure. And I took my brother for, I think for his eighth birthday to see Masters of the Universe in the theater. That's which, a big one. That one ties in a lot to this movie in my mind. And, uh, <laughs> good call, it, you know, and, uh, but yeah, so that was it. Kind of grew up renting movies from the cult video section of my local video store. For some reason, they had everything from like Evil Dead, Bad Taste, Erga Music War to like real life execution videos. I don't know why, but like we just watched all that shit. Later on, when I was older and I lived in Louisville, I rented movies from Wild and Wooly Video, which was owned by Todd, who was the bass player of Slint. And oh. that was literally my film education. I worked there for a brief period of time and it's gone but that was that was it because it was all broken down by genre by by psychotronic by director you know so you went in there and you would just rent every movie from a director and and find the the super weirdo stuff so i kind of feel like i'm like probably like you guys i'm sure is you know my favorite movie might be badlands or it might be total recall you know <laughs> so it's like yeah, exactly. you know and like in my brain bad taste and the 400 blows are like so connected you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) art art film and trash is like interrelated last last year i had the when theaters were shut down the local theater here you could rent the whole theater and show whatever you wanted Mm -hmm. and i did that two or three times and the first time was street trash because i knew we had to see the penis flying in the air you know never seen that (laughs) projected and then the next time was durfan you know, so so that kind of stuff is like that. I feel like that's where my my brain bounces back and forth between like high art oh, and total yeah. garbage. So yes. that's where we live. Yes, Ugh, it really truly is. I mean, there is no difference. I mean, and that's how yeah. it should. I also think, honestly, we've kind of talked about it before. Like that's, uh, I think, partly coming from and growing into a punk background. Mm-hmm. Like that is there is no difference. Like right. to think there is is insanity, especially at this point in culture. Like. Let's not all lie to ourselves. <laughs> right. And, and and I think it's important probably with as a film fan and a music fan to not become pretentious. You know, it's yeah. like I, I am pretentious, I guess. But like 
I don't really see that much difference in David Bowie and Gizm. You know, it's right. like it's like those are things that that irrevo- you know, in every way change culture. You know, some to greater degrees than other, but that's how sure. I see film too, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's we talked about it maybe recently, and I think I just stole it from someone else's conversation on another podcast. But the idea of uh, independent film being taught in colleges really should have more of a focus on Grindhouse, right? Corman, yeah. Street Trash, etc., yeah. etc., because that's what you're going to make, right? And that's where culture really lies, and 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 like you can, and you know, it's 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 easier to hide going to punk. Like it's easier to hide or uh, not even hide it that much. Like actual like statements in a punk way in a genre. In right. genre is the greatest way. That's why, uh, you know, I I I I constantly will just be like, no, genre is a good thing. Like, yeah. gen- like, why are we denying genre? Right. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing in the entire world. To me. No. Yeah. The impact that has is, is absolutely so important. Yeah. You know, and also, that, go yeah. ahead. No, that, no, hand, that handmade quality. Like I watched basket case again for the mm-hmm. first time this weekend in a long time. And, and it's brilliant. It's not boring. You know, I mean, I come back, I actually don't agree with this, but I, I, there was that Edgar Wright quote where he said there are good movies and then there are boring movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually fully adhere to that because I think there are some boring movies that are good. Sure. But yeah, that, that inventiveness, like that's what I think. I think about like you with your connection from music to, to comedy and to writing and film and, and that DIY power is yeah. so essential in all those elements, you know, because yes. otherwise you're, you're just held by somebody else with a checkbook. Hanalotter is yeah. more punk than most of us. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I also think, like, yeah, that I don't, I, I agree on not completely believing in that statement because I'm like, it's one I have come back to on this podcast a lot, but I'm like, the original Solaris is a good movie. Yeah, I was going to say, say it's fucking yeah. boring. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, so boring, but I love it. Damn right. it is boring. Uh, uh, I mean, I also love that. So, even in this little bit of conversation, we've talked about pretentiousness. We've talked about uh, kind of DIY element. We've talked about boringness. All kind of applies to legends yes, to me yeah. <laughs> as a whole in this movie. Um, but so before we kind of really get into legend, like, did you have any history with legend, Ryan, before this? Had you watched it recently or remember watching it? I think this is my first watch, actually. Really? I, I had oh. some some vague memories, and obviously I knew that Tim Curry costume, and I had a really weird, like, brain, like, jab when I saw David Bennett as Gump, the pan-type yeah. character, and I was like, that's the dude from the Tin Drum, who I had seen that a lot, but seeing him in that costume, I was like, I definitely saw this at some point. Yeah, but in my it's always very connected to labyrinth, where the, it's like these so many geniuses involved, and in my opinion, labyrinth was always you know weaker than the sum of its parts. Sure, and I kind of have to you know I don't want to spoil my whole thoughts on this, but yeah, I, <laughs> but I, I don't have a lot of history. And I had with like it. an hour long conversation about legend versus labyrinth, yeah, and like the the <laughs> or co- dark crystal, yeah, or yeah, right. the connective tissue of these and what works and what doesn't work in all yeah. of them. But sorry, yeah. what were we gonna say, Ryan? Oh, I don't want to. I don't. Like, I, I think 
it's one of those things that like it, it's legend is, you know, bigger than the movie, uh, like yeah. the imagery and the, and we should talk about those weird, uh, dating site ads with, with the, have you seen those from last year? What last year there were these dating site ads that were like a woman started dating Satan. uh, Oh, right. Yeah. And and the costume is this Tim Curry devil costume. They they clearly had to license it. Yeah. And and, and I remember to my partner last year, I was like, that's from this movie. And then when we started watching it, she's like, Oh, are these that from the dating ad? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so so that's like a new a new reference for a whole new generation of like Hulu watchers. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, I I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Man, legend lives on. Um yeah, I also like I I love that you brought up Penelotter and Basket Case because so Basket Case is a movie I res- we I think we've talked about this right like uh, respect and can't yeah. necessarily watch because there's something about this makes me so nauseous with all of the it's, movies yeah, the, that you've seen the puppet the character design yeah Belial it's, it's looks pretty disgusting na- yeah, to me <laughs> yes and there's yeah. certain things that like where i'll be like how can i watch like the most intense gore movie and this like is the, the thing. thing yeah yeah I mean, like yeah. yeah exactly and so which ties into this movie too exactly it all connects baby mm-hmm. but yeah so legend in watching it again i was like oh this makes me weirdly nauseous at times as <laughs> oh, well <yeah. laughs> like it's fucking basket case mm-hmm. oh wow and, and also i'll say and we'll get into this our catchphrase we we talk about phantom tingles a lot on this show <laughs> phantom tingles be when you watch a movie and you have watched it a long time and then you're like oh wait a second i had a big crush on this person when i was like right watching yeah. it and yours was Blix from this movie. Yeah, oh my God. I was like, every time... Or the, the, the Swamp Hag. Yes. Every time I listen to a Mortise record, uh, <laughs> God, I'm just like, am I getting Phantom Tickles for Blix? Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about that. I swear, Mortise must have been like... That's what my partner said, too. She was I mean, like, it's, yeah. It looks exactly like fucking Mortise on like the Tears of Rain or whatever that record is called. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and much like Mortise, Legend being a movie that I think I tried to get into more than I could ever actually get into for right. many times. Um, uh, but yeah, like there's just there there's Phantom Tingles, and there are Phantom Tingles in this movie, uh, a couple of them. But there was like Phantom Trauma, like watching <laughs> oh. it. I was just like remembering that, like even my wife was just like. I felt like I watched this like once. I might have watched this like twenty times, and I am not feeling right. Like something feels off about it. And I feel like this is like setting off something in my deep, deep psyche. Uh, Yeah, it's 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 got a lot of phantoms in there. Frank, (laughs) what is I what is your history with legends? So uh, to give you my position on this and where my mind's going to be, I will say I recognize it is a deeply, deeply flawed movie. Uh, a lot of big swings on this one, a lot for of big sure. Swings. Uh, <laughs> Pinewood Studios, big swings, you know. Um, <laughs> and I know, I rec- I've seen the director's cut and the theatrical cut many times. Good, uh, because but, I wasn't sure if I've ever have, and we need to see if this is a uh, Halloween. No, you six, don't need to see the dr- look. If Halloween somebody six who does situation like the movie. <laughs> you do not need. I mean, 
I love Tangerine Dream, so I'm going to prefer the U.S. version as opposed to the William Goldsmith. The the William Goldsmith uh, score is beautiful. Is it William Goldsmith uh, or John Williams? Uh, William Goldsmith. Okay. Just want to verify. Oh, wait. Uh, Jerry, Jerry. Sorry, Jerry. not William Goldsmith. Yeah. Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> yes. I said William Goldsmith, the drummer from the uh, original Foo Fighters lineup. <laughs> <laughs> William Goldsmith from Sunny Day. Uh, yes, from Sunny killing Day Foo Fighters. He keeps hitting that ride like it's a symbol, and it's nuts. Oh, we're not editing that out. Uh, but Jerry Goldsmith, <laughs> pardon me. But yeah, I. It, it's just more, it's it's longer. It's just boring, yeah. It's just like a lot more set up and uh, nuance and whatever. Yes, the director's cut is boring, as opposed to this version, which is oh, never yeah, the, boring. Oh, yeah, the pack, action-packed movie. No, but I will say this, Jeff. Uh, there was a time, and I shit you not, uh, when I was... Uh, this movie came out when I was four, but I didn't see it until like a few years after that. So there was a time where this movie and The NeverEnding Story were my favorite movies. Another traumatic movie. Exactly. And I think this <laughs> says a lot about who I became as an adult, that yes. for some reason, these weird-ass movies that were dark and kind of like unsettling we're like, I'm, this This is what I love. This is the only thing that I love. And I would watch these movies all the time. And I think I really loved Tim Curry. And I really loved that Satan. I was like, this is the best Satan on film ever. Mm-hmm. This design makes me like scared. It's terrifying, his voice. And there were just certain things about it that like, I don't know. I, I just It just connected with me. So I have this, I have the uh, nostalgia blinders on. Sure. With this movie, it just it's just one of those things. It's like my my Cobra. Like your yeah, yeah. how you feel about Cobra is the way that I feel about this movie. Right. So it's like one of those things where it's like, God damn it, I know it's flawed, but it's it's one of those things that was so formative in my youth that Wait, I wait, wait, no, 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 no. Now I'm confused. I don't think there's any flaws in Cobra. What are you talking about? You're crazy. Oh, yeah, that's God, right. God. Sorry, everybody eats a pizza that way. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's a perfect movie, and nothing is crazy. True. Um but yeah, that's that's where I'm I'm at, and I, you know, I've 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 gone to screenings of it too, you wow. know, like New York, uh, whenever they'd have screenings, and, um, yeah, I remember, try my uh, my wife tried to watch this with me not too long ago, and she was like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> so you're alone in this one. I am. Wow. I'm very much. Well, there's some fans, but like I am alone in this. I know, yeah. it. and I, I'm gonna come at it with like I'm gonna agree with probably everything that y'all say but I know it has a special place for me. Look, there's a reason you do a Smashing Pumpkins podcast. That's exactly, uh, <laughs> that's what I told you when I, that's when I texted you, I said, I said, I think this is cinematic Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> like the, the, the melodrama and the annoyance that people have with this being like, this is terrible. And I'm like, I love this. Right. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. is a big, larger conversation that we'll probably continue to have, but it's just like the aesthetics of this are both what drive it and, pull it down at times oh yeah in a crazy way um i'm also not a big fantasy fan which is weird i I don't love fantasy i really don't but for some reason there are certain fantasy movies or literature that i'm like i love this but i hate everything else yeah ryan do you like fantasy i don't but i am a child of the 80s right i was born 77 so like beastmaster never-ending story last unicorn whatever other shit not this for whatever reason but a lot of other ones yeah like that was cool as hell when you were a kid i think i agree like that's the thing that can push me through the parts that is just being a child of the 80s and then but there is a that realization the same 
deal, Frank, where my wife was, again, was pointing out, it's just like, you don't really like fantasy that much, do you? And I was like, it's just not my bag, no. Yeah. Uh, when that opening scroll happened, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Right away. Yeah. I wrote that note down. I was like, right thought, away, just this, so... This it's makes no a, sense. It's, it's overwritten. such a fine line, though. It's like it's like for some of this stuff, I like, and it through this, I was questioning where I'm like, there are certain things that I'm like, I'm I I can act like a 15 year old like gothy kid, like who likes Sandman comics too much <laughs> and knows that there's uh, it doesn't match my other aesthetics. But then there's other ones that I'm just like, no, 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 you pushed it. You pushed it too far. And it might be kind of just fairies, like stuff. Like it does. Well, Neil like, Gaiman agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Is Neil Gaiman not like this? Uh, well, he, he, he had oh, wait, good things right. to say about the author, but he yes. was like, D- you be warned when you watch this. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just such an <laughs> odd fucking movie. Uh, uh, I, yeah, we'll get into it even further. Frank, yeah. should we get some facts out about this? Yeah, let's go ahead and get some facts. Uh, Legend came out April 18th, 1986, one day before my fourth birthday. Um, it was a Universal picture. Uh, it was released by Universal here, 20th Century Fox internationally, and that's how you get that HBO canon European release because they released a lot of the 20th Century Fox. Our last one, Buckaroo Banzai, yep. was the same deal. Uh, so yeah, running time, 93 minutes, 114 minutes for the director's cut. Um, the budget was $24.5 million. The gross. So there's two different sources on this. Mm -hmm. IMDB says the gross was 15.5 million for total. Okay. But Wikipedia says. too? Yeah. Oh boy. So, (laughs) but Wikipedia says 23.5. So either way didn't make it yeah yeah it, it was a total failure yeah uh directed by ridley scott who did a few things uh you might know i've heard uh written by william uh hjortsberg uh i'm uh, i don't know if i'm saying that right i Hjortsberg. think you might be yes that's how you have to say it <laughs> Hjortsberg, but uh he was mostly known as a uh like novelist yeah you know uh but he did write a few screenplay things wrote the book so, for that became angel heart yeah it's a classic yes. <laughs> yep <laughs> Uh, so we're talking about box office for 1986. Uh, we got Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, The Karate Kid Part 2, Back to School, Aliens, The Color Purple, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, Ruthless People, Out of Africa, and Fier- Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow. So, Double uh, Mia. Yeah, I, I realized I didn't see where Legend landed on this. Give me one second. I mean, I'll say right away. Amazing too that Ridley Scott is competing with his brother. Yeah, and Tony Scott, and the the sequel to the movie that we all prefer probably more than Legend. <laughs> um, I mean, while Frank's looking this up, I also want this is a good opportunity to ask. I've been hearing it on uh, Friend of the Pod, Jay Green's podcast as well. But if you did have to go, Ryan, would you go uh, Ridley or Tony? Oh, Ridley. But I do really? love I love Tony. But yeah, I would I would pick Ridley. I think I'm still go I yeah, I'm going. I still go every time he asks on his podcast, I do go back and forth. Like because I am like, do I really only love Alien and Blade Runner? And is that also enough? 
But then also, do I not love enough Tony Scott, but just maybe aesthetically, I like him better? If you had to watch every Tony Scott movie from like 1990 onward in a <laughs> row, you would have a, you would have, you would develop epilepsy. I mean, there, there's just, you, know, you would not survive. So, you know, at least you could have a pretty reasonable, like, right. easy road with Ridley. Ridley, you just have like an allergy attack from the amount of dander <laughs> in all of his shots. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have a, a pair of sunglasses uh, that have this tint on them that I love wearing when I'm driving because it makes me feel like I'm in a Tony Scott film. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like, this is Tony Scott's L.A. I oh, love man. It. <laughs> Tony Scott's L.A. is a beautiful sight, baby. Uh, yeah. Um, so where do you think that this fell uh, on the box office charts this year? We going out of 140, you think, or one? Oh, uh, no, we're going out of 200. 200. They're oh. listed on Box Office Mojo. <laughs> Ryan, you want to venture a guess? 186. I was going to be nice in 112, but I think Ryan might be closer. <laughs> what do we got, Frank? 57. What? Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay. did pretty good. Wow. Um, not too bad. I mean, I, mean, I guess you're competing be- against like 46 candid films that took up a lot of those slots at the bottom. <laughs> right. So, right. yeah, I I forgot to look at uh, what came out this year. Boy, I'm really dropping the ball. But here. also, you've heard it before, people. I mean, it's 86. This is like what came out is a billion movies like, and so, from canon. So this was released in the states in 86. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's released in April the same year that Top Gun and Ferris Bueller released. Yeah, and I, yeah. I saw the production began in '84. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is like a a sexless, you know, animal child in this, and then in Top Gun, <laughs> he's like a full fledged dick swinging man. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, but like, the guitar. The guitar from Top Gun is kind of used. You can ha- there was one part where I was like, oh, there's the Top Gun guitar on a shot yeah. of Tom Cruise. Yes. Wow. I will say too, yeah, because you're right, because that's the other thing is like, so Mia, uh, <laughs> Mia Sarah, Sarah, yeah, was she 15 when they first started production, and then so by the time, oh, wow. by the time they actually started, it was slightly less creepy, but still creepy in a Polanski sort of way yeah. to have Mia Sarah be doing some of the things she's doing in this movie. Um, because it, it, could you imagine if they were like, good to go, let her dance. Like <laughs> stroke yeah. unicorns, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, the association with um, Dark Crystal and Labyrinth is, you know, who Mia Sarah married, right? Jim Henson's son. Yeah, Brian ah, Henson. Okay, yeah. who used to live next door to our friends. Oh, really? Don and Jeff. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Who I was like, I was over there one time, and he came out. They came out to talk to them, and I was like. Holy shit. <laughs> right. He had a Muppet. Yeah. He was holding a Muppet while he was talking. Yeah, he was holding a Muppet, and I was like, cool. And I was only talking to the Muppet like it was a person. <laughs> oh, I so, thought maybe this killed Mia Sarah's career, and then I saw that it did come out before Ferris yeah, Bueller. Like, Ferris. she should have been a huge star. I mean, you, you never know. But, like, yeah. in this, I thought, eh, this doesn't really do her any favors. It, but I don't yeah. know. I yeah. could be wrong. I might have read quickly that she's, like one of the smarter actors who was just like, I think I just kind of realized acting's not my thing. Right. Like, and like, yeah. and I, I hope that is the answer. Cause when I actually, when I hear those stories, I'm always like, good job. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it was on their own accord, not a other situation. Right. Yes. Uh, oh, so yep. here are the Canon films that came out that year. Great. Uh, Kimura, 
the Delta Force, Link, the Naked Cage, Field of Honor, America 3000, POW The Escape, Murphy's Law, Pirates, Dangerously Close, Cobra, Invaders from Mars, uh, Lightning the White Stallion, Detective School Dropouts, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Othello, <laughs> Avenging Force, 52 Pickup, <laughs> Castaway, Firewalker, Duet for One. Wow, yeah, sir. That's the that's the bottom hundred of the yeah exactly <laughs> Jesus of the ranking. Wow, and that is why still we say it all the time. Half of those we will never cover because I don't <laughs> yeah. even want to watch them. Jesus, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, great, yeah. So I mean, it is, it is fun. It, it it's fun to hear again for this one because it was such a flop to hear those top 10 and to know what it was competing against in that uh, uh, and you know kind of like i said like kind of competing against the old idea of ridley or not the old idea but the idea that was kind of set before us is alien um wow yeah and so this movie i i think like to me there was i i found this uh little bit of a quote from Ridley Scott that to me sums up one of my biggest problems with Legends is that I think it's that on Wikipedia or is on uh, the IMDb. Initially, the quest was longer, but it was substantially reduced. Director Ridley Scott wanted to avoid too many subplots that departed from the main story and go for a, quote, more contemporary movement rather than get bogged down into classical a format. So my translation of that is, one, I always hesitate to use that word uh, pretentious, but the even the use of the word movement is slightly pretentious in terms of the story. Um, uh, is it really that they had a more contemporary take on the fairy tale slash hero's quest uh, and they reinvented the wheel here? Or... Even though it would have been longer, should they maybe have left some of those subplots in to make it that anything happens in this movie? Because that was my biggest problem. Nothing really happens in it. Like, it kind of just goes on and stops in an odd way. Like, and especially for, Ryan, you already mentioned the crawl, like the amount of information and reinformation we are given to lead to still being kind of confused and bored at the same time story-wise. And I think it needed it's 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 trying to shine a shit by saying this is a more contemporary movement. <laughs> like it's a contemporary shit movement that <laughs> needed to be a little less a little less contemporary, a little bit more classical. Um and I uh, I don't know. I mean, as you said, Frank, I don't know if necessarily then the problems were solved with this director's cut. Uh, It just does seem like it feels longer. Um, Am I wrong on thinking that it was just kind of uh, nothing happened in this freaking movie? (laughs) Everything happened, Uh, you know, (laughs) and that's maybe what his maybe that's part of what the quote means is this contemporary like maybe he means very literal movement where it's just nonstop editing. Right. Coke. I'm assuming Coke. Kane driven, just like, <laughs> just insane. Like it's one of those movies. I felt this actually about French Dispatch the other day, where it's it's relentless, but it becomes tedious because there's no breath, there's no character building, there's no world building in Legend. The no. the, the shots in the background of the Brian Ferry video 
I watched right after the movie and I thought, that looks really beautiful. But you didn't stop for a moment to give any wonder of anything in Legend. It was overwhelming. Can I say, because you brought it up, I think the better version of Legend is that Brian Ferry video <laughs> for Is Love Strong Enough? It might be. be yeah. Because one, unbelievable song. I love that song so much, like, and kind of forgot it existed until I did my, like, listen to all my records during the quarantine and got to the Tangerine Dream soundtrack because, so, the, yeah, we mentioned before the American version of this has Tangerine Dream. They decided they needed a more, after doing a screening, and they're like, uh-oh, we fucked up. We need a more modern composer for this. So they got Tangerine Dream, <laughs> who shit out a soundtrack in three weeks. Yeah. And I think it shows, personally. Like, no, I love Tangerine not, Dream. Yeah. I got 38 fucking records by him. I'll watch any movie that has a Tangerine Dream soundtrack. I would say, like, three quarters of it hardly even sounds like Tangerine Dream to some extent. Like, it's a little bit just more symphonic and basic music. Um, there's not as much sequencer sections. There's not, like, those kind of Tangerine Dream classic, like, arpeggio, like, things going throughout that builds where you're like, oh, like, you know, Jonas Schmoling brought in right. like something extra to fucking uh, Edgar Froze's stuff. Um, yeah. And so it, it it's a soundtrack I never listened to as much of all of the Tangerine Dream because there's just not a lot going on. And I don't have a lot of love for Legend. Um, so I would bury that there's this Brian Ferry song, which is incredible. And I will say, Frank, you might uh, disagree with this, uh, was showed to me how incredible it is when it got redone by How to Destroy Angels slash Trent Reznor for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And I was mm. like, ugh, what is this weird toothless version of this song? <laughs> it just like got rid of the part. Like Musically, I think that song is amazing because Brian Ferry is a fucking god. Uh, and the verse might be better than the chorus. Like, the chorus is great, but I just love the verse, and it's got a sadness to it. Um, yeah. But the video is, like, <laughs> one, I love, I, I, I miss the days when we would integrate fucking, like, <laughs> docking into the Dream Warriors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like Brian Ferry's going into the movie, and he's talking to Mia, who's running, but it's not really her, but she runs into the screen, yeah. and he's wearing the largest blue leather jacket you have ever seen in your <laughs> life. Puffy. It is puffy as fuck. <laughs> but he pulls it off because he's Brian Ferry. Yeah, he's Brian fucking Ferry. He can do that. Yeah, <laughs> The guy can pull off shit none of us could ever think about doing. Um, I actually uh, bought that jacket, so I'm going to be wearing it a okay. lot this uh, uh, winter. I'll, <laughs> I'll bite my tongue when you're not pulling it off. Like Brian no Ferry way. Does. I'm going to come up to your house when we record, and I'm going to be dancing. <laughs> Just I'm going to be singing. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like even just the visual of those giant black chess pieces like look cooler with Brian Ferry walking oh, around. Oh yeah. What if they had put him with the horns like he had it where <laughs> <Yes>. the... <laughs> It's also crazy. Like I mean that's just to me that's also the sign of like Brian Ferry and Roxy Music is sometimes they can do the thing that you're like this should be totally wank, but I'm into it. Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They're that doing was Roxy shadow music for puppets me. at the beginning. <laughs> oh I'm yeah. Still like cool. And him walking up the screen 
on the stairs to, <laughs> to end open up, the door. Oh, bust open the door, just like the Lord of Darkness is getting busted with wind. And who's behind there? 80s Gilmore. <laughs> Fucking yeah. long, balding hair flowing. <laughs> just playing like he's getting ready to go do run up that hill with Kate Bush right oh, after yeah. this. Doesn't give a fuck, and it all sounds good and bad at the same time. <laughs> he's rocking so fucking hard that it's killing Satan. <laughs> it's amazing. But it's just they hit upon all of the aesthetic stuff that might be the best part of Legend kind of in the video. And again, might be just helped along that. I love that song so much. It's just so good. Why also, I do want to connect, and this is just to like uh, pat a good friend on the butt over there. Uh, why I love Brian Ferry is that sometimes like I'll be like, oh, you're somehow doing some of your better stuff later in your career. Uh, and I've always told you, right? I loved all your old bands, but I think you are, uh, you're the Scott Walker of oh. our generation. Cause you're doing, you're doing better stuff now than oh, you were doing you. when you were younger, which thank I just you, think you. is like such a hard thing to do <laughs> in general as a musician. You know what I mean? Like we've got plenty of people we love that we're like, we appreciate it for a different reason, well, but thank you. I need a I need a screen that I can walk up just like I Brian. mean Jesus yeah. if you don't yeah. fucking work that FedEx photo credit or you're fucking blowing it for the rest of us can um, we Jeff has to be behind the door oh it's of course me. yeah it's me. but <laughs> I'm playing like a fucking bass. shitty bass so yeah I'm playing a Billy Sheehan bass solo oh, you're playing a Chapman stick I uh, I, I tried to R.I.P. Chap Chapman who died like last oh week. really yeah. well I I was looking up who played bass on that fairy song and and the guy in the video is not the guy who maybe played bass and it definitely has a tony levin chapman stick kind of sound right yeah yeah the, it's hard to find personnel on this because i i did the same thing i want it doesn't sound like but it, briefly i was like is that the guy from pil like playing yeah. bass and then i also really want to know if it's david sanborn playing sax okay because it does oh, that yeah. like lethal weapon like flutter at the beginning yeah. it's like yeah. <laughs> which again that sax solo comes in it's just like well, i don't love sax solos but also it's really great yeah <laughs> did you pause the video to see because uh, there's a very quick shot yeah of the whole band yes you have to like really like yeah uh, find an hd version of it gilmore hardly even knows he's there he's just no. fucking jamming <laughs> um but yeah that i i it's also, I'll say, another bummer of legend is you got to wait till the fucking credits for that. Like, well, you also have to suffer through that terrible John Anderson song. <sighs> you know, like, Love by the Sun. Oh, my. Man. He is so off to out of tune, yeah. off pitch. It's unreal. I've never I've never heard that dude sing poorly. It was weird. Yeah, it was very uh, weird. It is odd. I love. Yes, so much. And Anderson on his own can be real. And I think it's just because I'm pretty sure that song was just like Tangerine Dream just wrote some music and then we're just like, throw some shit on there. Right. <laughs> like yeah. about legend. And I don't think he gave a fuck. Like if no. they did it in three weeks, he did it in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause he is, he is way out and it, I get it. It's hard when you've got that certain high register to know if you're not reaching it, but it ain't the best John Anderson song you've ever no, heard. No. Yeah, the lyrics are pretty. Even as a kid, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yes. For goodness sake. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> what well, the fuck are you singing? <laughs> I, 
I, I have this. This is uh, this ties into the very ending. I don't know. If, I feel like we're moving backwards, but we we, the, it, no, we yeah, go okay. we go any which way, but we just, yeah, however we'll it works. Anywhere. Darkness sucks out into space, a la Alien. Right. Space yeah. has never been established as like. I don't. I, I was like, where are the stars? Like, where does this go? But. Why did he put that same ending in this movie? It's wild. It's yeah. wild because uh, it's like it's like you're ending with a shot to remind us of how awesome he could be, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the confusion as you're saying of like, wait, were we in a spaceship this whole time? Because <laughs> right. I don't understand. Is this like the they live? vortex where like and they live when they go down in the basement you're like how do you have a machine that gets you to space but somehow we're under by the sewers Uh, doesn't exactly make sense um but also hey man we live in a this isn't a time uh before time even existed true true. as they say in the scroll which doesn't really make any sense like that just means you just didn't start counting i think that's to to go for, again from that end to that beginning, because why I also think you can jump around in legend is as you said, I agree that both so much happens in it and nothing happens. Like so much happens that I, I, I didn't think about that, but it is how I felt is like I couldn't take a breath. There's no moment. He goes from being like Tom Cruise goes from being Jack of the Woods to oh, no, uh, we need a warrior to, oh, we don't have one, to, ah, you'll be it. Okay, cool, we'll find the armor. Okay, whatever, now you're a warrior. And now we're at the castle. And there's no trials to prove you are one. And then it's just kind of happening combined with, I was having the note I would give in sketch classes a lot of why today? Like, you know, why when you're reading a sketch, it's like, okay, you've got the unusual thing. This is the game. This is the funny part. Why is today the day that everyone in the family realizes dad has this unusual thing that we're not going to shut the fuck up about for the rest of the sketch? In this case, unless I missed it, I was like, why is today the day that the Lord of Darkness or whatever is going to be like, you know what? Let's get a unicorn. <laughs> like, I don't because know why. they reappeared. Were, did they? I mean, this yeah, is because, where I need you for plot things because yeah. I missed yeah. that. I thought they were just running around. No, because they only come around so often. Why? And because they were back. Uh, well, Jeff, because. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's our second sketch. Uh, because of lore. I yeah, don't know. Our second yeah. sketch teacher note. Like, maybe come up <laughs> yeah. with one sentence yeah, to Yeah, come up with a justification why. of why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but apparently they, they only come around so often and they're back. And their presence of purity and goodness drives the darkness crazy because it's uh, 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 upsetting the balance. Okay. Because it's tipping it more towards innocence and goodness. And that's why it's driving him crazy. And that's why he has to, uh, they have to kill the unicorns. And then in the process, he falls in love with Mia Sarah's character. Again, I, I didn't even know when he fell in love. It just all of a sudden felt like he wants he to just... corrupt her because she's pure too. I didn't even feel like I noticed when he saw her, like, but because I think I was tr- I not getting yeah. a breath and trying to catch up and like still processing some of the information dump that they give us three times. <laughs> yeah. Also realizing that that beginning scrawl might as well also be like John Anderson lyrics. 
This right. is like, it was dark and light and love <laughs> and light is a unicorn and lord of the darkness and then more shit. Like, it's just like so much crap. Um, and I guess I want to go to a larger plot question while we're at it, because what is this movie basically? Uh, let me check the time because I want to make sure we're doing what we do. Yeah, we're about 48 oh, yeah. minutes in. This is when minutes, we, yeah. when, this is usually when we like to say what the logline of the movie <laughs> was. Um, uh, you know, uh, a princess touches a unicorn, maybe, and that sets the world into darkness and freezing, and then uh, it, it stops. Is kind of what the movie is. Like, that's basically what's happening. Did you guys see the the one poster? Let me. Did you guys see this one that says something about lust and stuff? <laughs> Oh my God. It's, uh, I I feel like the whole movie had, I don't feel like there was a pitch other than I'm Ridley Scott. I'm going to make a fantasy movie. Yeah. The poster says, if I were executive, I'd be like sold. Right. Let's make it. He didn't have a story to tell. The the poster says no good without evil, no love without hate, no innocence without lust. I am darkness. Like that doesn't make any sense. No, that, yeah, the dark. That, those are like shitty. <laughs> yeah. This is King Diamond. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It does sound like shitty metal and hardcore lyrics. Like mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm, I just sang along to it, and then I'm not positive I knew that any of it made sense. Like, right. what did that mean to it? Because it does make sense that it's what you said. It's just like Ridley Scott was just like, I'm gonna make a fantasy movie, and they said go for it, and it went. It must have gone because like. I don't, I don't think it's in that uh, director's cut, but like at one point, he wanted it to be darker, graphic violence, mm. gore, a rape scene. <laughs> like, to, would have just like, yeah. And that, I think that's the other part of why it made me feel icky as a child is it's just so overly and not sexual all at the same mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yeah. Like, everything is uncomfortable when it comes to sexuality in this. Oh, yeah. And and even as a child, I think I could recognize that. Like, and I, I guess that gives me hope for myself as a young child that even then I could be like, I don't know about all this, Una. Um, like, it's going <laughs> yeah. a little weird. Because that's also just, I want to say another part that my wife was very adamant, just like, you need to talk about how there are maybe three female characters in this. And every, uh, justifi- like, their characters are all, shitty in the worst kind of man sort of way because so me as a princess maybe i think they kind of i think that's part of why it it just feels like there's no breath is it's trying to rely on tropes that maybe it don't feel even like they know them well enough to be using them so she's she's a woman who's blamed for the downfall of all of society in the world yep and as as far as I was concerned, I wasn't even sure she actually touched the fucking unicorn, let alone if that was the reason why this shit was happening. I thought that the bigger problem was that it got shot with a poison dart and that yeah. it got its horn cut off. But the whole movie is this poor woman being yelled at being for, blamed dis- for it. Yeah, being blamed for the world and for destroying it, which I was like, I think it's all a false premise. <laughs> like, I swear she didn't even touch it. And even if she did explain a little bit better tom cruise and then you got una who's the horny fairy who is like a child who is trying to get tom cruise to fuck her in the middle of the movie and then it's like no like because you didn't have sex with me i'm gonna not do the thing that i do 
for no particular reason, which is trying to break them out of a dungeon. And then maybe there's a third woman, which was played by, oh man, the actor from uh, Inner Space. Yes, uh, uh, Picardo. Oh yeah, Robert Picardo. Yeah. Yes. He's what was yeah, that? yeah. He was a Dante regular. Yeah, yeah. Was on, uh, yeah, Star Dante Trek regular. Voyager. That's it. Yeah. Uh, in the great makeup effect, I mean, looked like fucking yeah. Evil Dead. Meg like, Muscle Bones. That, that yes, was that's awesome. it. Yeah. That is totally that. awesome. Yeah. But it's also, like you said, Ryan, like no breath there. Like it just kind of happens. Like jumps up. It's just like, right. I'm Meg Muscle Bones. I do some shit. And then they're like, no, you're out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going like, to cut yeah. your head off. Like I, I'm like, you. <laughs> like, ah. this this makeup effect was just so wasted in like a 30-second yes. sequence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so it is a bummer when it's just like it both affects the plot, but is also just at the end of the day. You know, my wife's main thing was just like whatever faults Labyrinth have, at least uh, the the teenage girl has like some agency. Yeah, and it is a a basic teenage idea like that does work in it. Of like Jennifer Connelly's character is just like in a world where no one she's a teenager and no and the adults aren't listening to her. The adults aren't believing what's going on and that she's got to kind of go through these trials on her own. Great. As again, old punks, we get that. Like that's welcome to being fucking a teenager, yeah. but also being an old punk. But and David Bowie prays on her, and David not. Bowie prays on her because you know everything is problematic in the world that we love. Uh, you know, it's just welcome to canon films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but it is uh, again frustrating when you start to recognize that while you're not able to take a breath and just being inundated with boringness <laughs> and it and, but and i just to pull back to my original question am i wrong did she touch the act did she actually touch the unicorn i didn't i i when i rewatched it today i was like oh wait she didn't really it didn't look like she did i don't think she did yeah it didn't look like it to me that's the thing yeah and so that's like a huge and that's something that's so funny jeff because i never even thought about that because I did think it was weird the last time I was like, oh, yeah, the poison dart, like, obviously killed it. But then I was like, I didn't even make that connection. That's Could so this funny. be one of the fucking larger examples of that we have grown up in a fucking male-driven, fucking male-gay society that even us three, like, kind of, like, feel like we're semi-enlightened people <laughs> can be, like, watching it and be like... I don't know. Maybe she did touch that fucking unicorn. What the <laughs> yeah. fuck? Right. It might be the Playboy. We were gaslit. The movie gaslit us and everyone yeah. else. Yeah. The whole movie is a fucking yeah. gaslight. God damn it. Boy, don't you feel bad now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the movie, just being like, so you've learned your lesson, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which also, speaking of, there are three different endings to this movie. Yeah. And there's or technically two. Technically, oh yeah, two. no, they're three. They're three. Yeah. Well, there's one. Our version has Tim Curry laughing at the end, just in case we want Legend Two. Uh, Electric. <laughs> he lives Boogaloo. in space. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and He's then a Space Lord. <laughs> and then it's Flash Gordon meets <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, and then there's a version that uh, without him there. And then there's a version where <laughs> her, me and Tom Cruise are just like, eh, let's just be platonic friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's a Karate Kid ending. Like, Yeah, we're just, too like, different. Let's yeah. go our separate ways. <laughs> nice knowing you. <laughs> totally. Sh- just showing again that it's just like they didn't really have a, they didn't have a path. They didn't have a path of where this should go. 
kind of a classic. Not that you always need to know the ending, but if you're writing a larger story, it sometimes is good to kind of know how the thing, like what you're leading towards. Um, and if you're leading towards, it's like, eh, a couple options. Like, it doesn't matter. We're going to have that Brian Ferry song. And <laughs> so fuck it. Well, that, um, yeah. that, that brings me to like a Ridley Scott thought, which is one, I thought there's no character development in this whatsoever. But is there in any movie? And does it work in Alien and Blade Runner, which are the two that I'm the most familiar with? Sure. And it doesn't work here. And it maybe then I thought about like Black Hawk Down and like other things where he's really into throwing a bunch of people into a thing. Yeah. Putting the tension in and having them kind of show who they are through that. And I felt yeah. like that didn't work here. Yeah. You know, where whereas like and also he he maybe never really knew the ending to Blade Runner. He kept remaking it. He took the goddamn unicorn from this and stuck it in Blade Runner. Yes. You know, I didn't even yeah. realize that until right before we oh, start wow. recording. Yeah. So I, I felt like there were actually a lot of his problems were just evident here where sometimes they maybe work out in, yeah. a, in something where maybe he's not even as in control. Maybe you've got, what's his name, Hampton Fancher or like Dan O'Bannon. You've got those like real like, iconoclastic geniuses yeah shaping something where this he went to some writer who had no screenwriter experience and said hey yeah, yeah. i agree that's a great point it's the input of the other it's a little bit like uh not to bring up our least like movie maybe of all time but it's a little bit like the realization we had with like pirates yeah where it was just like oh uh fucking polanski's a sociopath but his horror and thrillers work because he's not a human being like and he doesn't see human like people as human so like everything can feel odd and when he tries to do comedy you're like oh you're not a human like you don't understand how this works you're a monster and in this case it's like yeah like is Ridley not completely a human and needs someone (laughs) to like give him that humanity within knowing also that the Scots are like there's a lot going on that Scott family like right. they had, you know, a lot of a lot of death and a lot of uh, clearly like th- deeper mental things going on, like in that family, because it's it is a little bit. Um, it's not just because we're coming out of it, but it's like does does really Scott have a variation of like Argento like vibe where he like <laughs> doesn't really like actors or doesn't care about humans being real humans sometimes, um, yeah, and maybe because like. For me, like, it's an interesting question, Ryan, because I agree in that, like, like Blade Runner's a movie that I love and also get more bored with it than other people, I think, get with it. Like, I, it's not as much of a, it's both a Stone Cold classic and not as much of a Stone Cold classic to me as other people find it. And versus Alien is, I I think Alien has the most where it's like, here are giant set pieces, we're putting these characters into these deep uh, uh, situations, but also, I think the character development of Ridley is pretty good. And the character, like, it it actually has a development, and maybe that's the Dan O'Bannon factor. (laughs) Maybe that's someone else bringing it in to, to like, to, to, to pepper in on top of Ridley Scott just being Ridley fucking Scott. I think I think Ryan, you're right. Is I think it's because of the concept and the idea is bigger than 
he can handle or was is used to. Because what, if you think about Alien and Blade Runner, what makes those movies so cool is the sci-fi and horror elements are grounded. Like Alien, like the the tech is kind of shitty, and like you know the people feel like they're miserable. Like there's there's a lot of like, um, and then even like with Blade Runner, it feels like oh this is a future we could live in where stuff is kind of breaking too. There'd be complaints certain... about the supply chain in both of them. Yeah, there's, well, I mean, there's humanity yeah. in both of those movies, even though they're grand ideas. And in this one, it's all grand ideas. So therefore there's no reality or any kind of human factor that like anchors. And Tom Cruise was very young in his career here. So he's not the actor he became. Mia Sarah's, you know, fresh too. Tim Curry's pretty much, and the other character actors are the only uh, kind of seasoned performers, especially theater performers who get this genre. And that's why those characters work or why Tim Curry works because he knows what he's doing. He knows the movie he's yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that the concept was just way too, um, too big for him. Yeah. And I think that the style of it was way too big for him because it's missing that humanity that makes those other movies so great. Yeah, but there's also interestingly no world, like I said, no world bi building where, yeah. Blade Runner and Alien have these big, long, slow establishing shots where this gives you none of that. Yeah. It's like maybe because he had to, but you know, in Blade Runner, he builds everything too. But here it's like, you're seeing the back of the chair. You're seeing, you know, these, and I thought the Boschian set of, of hell was awesome, but mm -hmm. it was also very small. It felt like, yeah, it's <laughs> like his, his study. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. We're seeing one room of hell, right? And we yeah. don't get like a long, slow shot of the landscape or anything. It's very set based. It's almost claustrophobic, but it's yeah. supposed to be massive. Yeah, and I would have, I would have rather followed Billy Barty through all this, like, <laughs> which, which is is the connection to Masters of the Universe, which I think is a better movie than this, yeah. personally. <laughs> I, like, it's more enjoyable. Yeah, you know, I, you're right. Like, take Tom Cruise all the way out. And follow all those little. I, I was bummed that David Bennett, because I'm such a fan of the Tin Drum, was overdubbed by the same lady who did the, right. the main Goblin. Right. But, yeah, Blix. Yeah, but I would but rather. Then he got to voice Blix in the uh, the German version. Oh, that's Weird. amazing. Yeah, for Tash. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. But I, all those guys, all those characters are so much better. Tom had no personality whatsoever. I thought. No, I agree. I, it's an amazing. I mean, it's it's like a warm blanket hearing Billy Barty's voice mm -hmm. and seeing him like act like truly like you're just like, oh, you are awesome. And you were yeah. awesome. But like it is amazing when, uh, you know, we 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 know Tom Cruise as this personality at this point, like and there's just like he's kind of an undeniable person. Yeah. And he's so deniable in this. Like I yeah. got more distracted by his off center tooth. Me? than I have in any movie. Like, I never noticed that before. My partner pulled up photos. She's like, that's how his teeth are. I was like, what the fuck? It's wild. It <laughs> I've is never wild. noticed that before. Yeah. Once you once you see it, you can't unsee it. And in this <laughs> one, I was so bored with his performance. I'm just like, couldn't stop staring at that tooth yeah. and thinking like, are you just saying fuck it? Like you gotta have the cash to get that. Like, Or you just right. work so hard that you don't have time to fucking let your teeth reevaluate themselves. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like it, it's it's an odd, it's an. I think that's why it's such a massive failure in some ways. It is like it's an odd feat to make Tom Cruise someone you don't want to watch. 
Like, even whatever your feelings, like, I feel like most people just can't deny that you're like, I mean, he's Tom Cruise. Like, he's well, a personality. He worked in, I saw part of uh, Risky Business recently, and that was like a movie I watched a lot as a kid because yeah. it was so risque. And uh, <laughs> he, he's green in that. He has that cocky element. And I guess Top Gun is when he becomes fully formed. I've never seen all the right moves. Yeah. But, you know, in, in The Outsiders, he's a kid. So in this, like, he, he's just, he's still that malleable kind of young actor thing. Yeah, so, he could be anyone. Right. Like, anyone who has yeah. the look, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, he could be any actor doing a guest spot on Family Ties. Right. Like, that week. Yeah. Well, the actors that were up for it, uh, you know, that story, right? Who do we have? It's, it's a pretty uh, crazy list. Hold on. It, while you're looking that up, isn't it interesting yeah. that like a Treyu from Neverending Story is like burned into our brains as a as a entity, and yet, and even that other kid who's like the main, you know, bookend kid. Yep. Whereas like Tom Cruise in this, I felt like didn't anywhere near compare to the. It's crazy. You know, the compelling it, nature yeah. of those characters. But I do think that's the. Th I mean, I wonder again. It's uh, I I I like again what you were saying before that it's like the 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 input of other people maybe help out like of other screenwriters, yeah. but also uh, maybe the, it's a combination of those other inputs, but with, you know, even though it's not anywhere close to what the story really is at the very least in Blade Runner, you've got the starting point of Philip K. Dick Yeah, where like Philip K. Dick is like, if you're ever reading his books, it's the same deal where you're just like, well, no, this kind of makes sense, but at least you're building a world. Like it's like right. these human beings aren't talking how humans talk, but that's part of the charm because he's got his own issues as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and so it is just like finding, uh, finding the right, uh, elements that will accentuate Ridley Scott versus I think what it does is this movie gets just buried in the aesthetics and if you don't like the aesthetics then you're kind of shit out of luck and for me I was like well I'm just not liking the aesthetics it, I didn't think yep. about it until you said it but like it is claustrophobic like because they were doing these internal external sets and it does feel like surprisingly small and so then it makes it even more wild when you're like, every shot can't have, as I said before, so much dander right. flying everywhere. Like every shot, like the glitter budget on this fucking movie <laughs> oh, yeah. was at least a million. Like it's insane <laughs> at a certain point. And, and, so, and you kind of can't get the layout. There's, there's no room for the world building because everything is claustrophobic when you're in it. So then you can't get the layout of like, did they go a hundred miles to get to right. that castle? Now all of a sudden they're at the castle. Wait, we're in the castle. Yeah, you're using these giant chess pieces that again look better in the Brian Ferry video, but I don't well, even know what that room's supposed to be. Right. Was part of that because the studio burned down? It might have been build things. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like because yeah, the double oh seven. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's what the yeah, yeah. we well, we never know completely like which shots were the ones that were from there. Which shots are because they had to make do over the years. Yeah. Sorry, Frank, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say uh, part of the reason why it's cut the way it is is because at one of the test screenings there was someone stoned there that made a comment <laughs> and Ridley Scott was like, oh, I'm going to trim. So the director's cut kind of does a little bit of a better job establishing, but it's still, 
kind of a mess, but like that's one of the reasons why it got chopped up so much. A good um, example of why test screenings can often be dumb. They, like it's yeah. you might as well just be listening to a Twitter comment. Like right. telling you, exactly. like, I got fucking, I took an edible and it was too slow. <laughs> yeah. So here's what uh, the other actors who were considered. You ready for this? Please. Johnny Depp, Robert Downey Jr., and Jim Rubberface Carey. Ooh. Who would have done the best in this role out of those three? Just some ass speaking in the, in the middle of it, you know? Yeah, that yeah, would be. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty great. Yeah. Darkness, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Alrighty then, Blix. Um, <laughs> also, Brown Brown Tom, was that that guy's name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds like my next shit for sure. Like, <laughs> Brown Tom. That is not a, that is not <laughs> not a, a kosher good. name. That's not that good. Is not. <laughs> but I yeah. bet Johnny Depp would have probably done the he best would. job out of those. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Depp so. at that he's time, more especially, that. Uh, yeah. not as many scarves, um, right. not as <laughs> right, many, yeah, not as many him. known issues uh, yeah. <laughs> that weighing him down, like his scarf collection. Um, yeah, his kind of like blank sincerity worked back then. Yeah, like I could see Johnny yeah. Depp from Nightmare on Elm Street in this. Nightmare, yeah. he really did. I recently rewatched and just like he does pop. You can you're just like you yeah. can see that you're Johnny Depp, quote unquote. Right. Like it's just, yeah. you know, amongst the and and I love all the actors in there too. Speaking of Phantom Tingles, I had such a crush on that actress from Better Off Dead. Oh uh, yeah. 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 I mean <laughs> uh, and again in this movie, I mean Mia Sarah and Ferris Bueller was a definite Phantom Tingle. And I think that's part of why I feel uncomfortable in this movie. And Tim For Curry sure. <laughs> is a Phantom Tingle in this fucking yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, the movie just... Well, there... Go ahead, Frank, sorry. No, no, you go ahead, Ryan. Uh, the movie, like, it, I thought exploded into this is a movie I want to see when she was when she was faking evil or whatever she was in. Yeah. You know, if she's 15, that's very uncomfortable that she's in that outfit. <laughs> yes. But she looked looked amazing. Like, they were interacting. He was, you know, all of that, I thought, Suddenly, there's like actual interaction between two people. There's some kind of repartee. If that had been the whole movie or or a bigger chunk of it, like that really came to life for the last yeah. 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah, I agree because it was the first time that like it, it just, I don't know, it felt like something was both happening. It was making a little bit more sense combined with it was an aesthetic all of a sudden I could be on board with and like right. a sexual aesthetic oh, yeah. I'd be on board with. It's like all of a sudden she looked like a mix of uh, the actress from Superman, uh, two of what uh, part of a uh, Zod's yeah. crew, whatever the yeah. actress. Oh, name right, is, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's also in Conan the Destroyer, uh, yeah. uh, uh, mixed with uh, uh, Pamela from uh, Sisters of Mercy. Is that her oh, name? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Morrison. Right, right. Uh, yes, Pamela. But like, yeah. it's just like yeah. all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, okay, that's why. Oh, right. And like, evil in, but from the cartoon. I was going to say, <laughs> like, yeah, they're evil in more Masters of the Universe. I'm telling you, yes. yeah. <laughs> it really does have some fucking Moto carryover in here, and it is. But that gets into the weird sexuality thing. Uh, that whole scene too, because when she says, "Let me kill the unicorn," and the way he like savors it yeah. is like he's coming you know he's like oh. yeah. <laughs> this is a this movie is an example too of like how we can be fucked up in odd ways from movies as a child but also we don't like things get morphed so right. like just like not to speak for my wife but the whole time she was waiting for she kept telling me how like part of the reason she didn't like legend is she could picture 
the spit between a character's lips as they talked. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't even know which character. By the time it was over, she's like, maybe I meant her in that outfit, or maybe I meant Tim Curry here. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think you might have just kind of morphed it. <laughs> like, because, you know, we'd have to also get into, we mentioned the aesthetics, and we had talked about it before, it is one of the pluses, but also why it is feels disconcerting is uh, the person who did all the makeup effects, Rob Bottin. Yeah. Yep. Unbelievable makeup artist. One of the best. Came from Stan Winston's crew, I believe. And and the one of this, his main thing we know him from is his mind-blowing effects for The Thing, which yeah, was the, like, I yeah. think Stan Winston was like too busy. And he was just like, ah, get Botine to come in. Then Botine's like, oh, you have no budget? I'm going to make the most incredible morphing effects you have ever seen. And then did Total Recall. And then did like a lot of the Verhoeven. The howling. The howling. Jesus Christ. But yeah, those are all horror movies. Those are all like fucking dark movies. Not a PG movie that in theory could be for kids. And this had some of his best work. Yeah. And then other things like Blix that I thought, how did they let this go on screen? I, you know? Well, the story behind that was that the actor, uh, Alice Platon, uh, played Blix. Okay. And she recommended to Ridley Scott that it should look like uh, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> to be part of the character design. So they actually designed it based off of that suggestion. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, I nailed thought, it on that. <laughs> of course, yes. More Johnny Depp connection. Johnny would have really there you go, yeah. connected exactly. to that. <laughs> uh, well, I thought that like Meg Mucklebones, who when she she came on screen, I thought, and kind of like Tim Curry, I did not see Robert Picardo in that at all. Didn't oh, hear his I voice. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this really could have been anybody, but that was amazing. Yeah, uh, Most of the hell set, there was one skeleton in the in the hell set that was like had a really big head and kind of bug eyes. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this one? <laughs> but it was like alien an, from space. Yeah, yeah, it was like an in joke. We're like, we're gonna put this one guy in here. But there were so many like really high highs. Like Botine could certainly put darkness as one of his most iconic works. Yeah. If not the most yeah. iconic. And and yet there was other stuff that just seemed like kind of trashy like kind of, like like i'm saying masters of the universe yeah which has oh, some yeah. good makeup but like isn't known as a wonderful all-timer you know no 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 yeah the blix cronies were pretty terrible yeah like the little pig guy and, yeah yeah the yeah. lunder who looked like helmet. he was in guar he looked yeah, like they, fucking they were very exactly much, that's what i thought just <laughs> they were very much the black skulls they were from yeah, man they yeah. were mandy i was like the guy with the cha- <laughs> with the cage on his face yeah like this guy is like the child of mandy you know of the mandy black absolutely yeah. well i do think i mean that's like probably i mean ultimately it goes with that uh commercial you were talking about ryan that i think the ultimate legacy of this is the aesthetics and is rob Bottin's work like that yeah, it, it sticks yeah. out like it's like uh you know that I, I even like I've been joking throughout, but I was like, I no, I'm pretty sure Mortise probably saw that and was like, that's pretty good. And for sure, I mentioned Guar, like it does look like Guar, like work, like yeah. you know, like for the helmets. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, Meg Bucklebottom looks like we're g- again getting into like later Evil Dead territory. Like yeah. the 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 work is astounding. It's just like much like. It's much like Tom Cruise that it's shocking 
how all of the the all the pieces come together to not come together. <laughs> yeah. Like on paper, this should be the greatest movie ever. Oh, if you said ways. Ridley Scott directed Rob Bottin makeup, Tangerine Dream soundtrack, and then it, sorry, Frank, sucks. No, you know? no. <laughs> like I said, I, yeah, no, I'm not going to be precious about this. So, <laughs> right. yeah. You know, that, there aren't, like, it, it should be a better movie than it is. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and, like, from the get go, like the, the yellow eyes, like the kind of illuminated eyes and fingernails oh, yeah. of darkness were so awesome. Yeah. You know, and I understand you don't want to be in that makeup all day, but really just the the lack of him you know was 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 one thing that really hurt the movie I did think. we well, really that was a big yeah that it well the, so tom cruise and Mesa are the only ones who weren't in makeup so everyone else had to be yep. six to eight hours a day but like yeah. did you yeah. read frank that at one point tim curry like got claustrophobic and started ripping it off and like pulled some of his flesh off they had to yeah. like cut around it for like a week because his skin had to heal jesus <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the thing sometimes you're like woof you went through all of that for this and granted it is it's both iconic but is also weird because even this time watching it it's hard to acknowledge in my mind that that's tim curry I don't hear his voice in it at all. Yeah, because they I mean, modulated, right? Yeah. Did they? Mo- yeah. They must yeah, have they... modulated. And every once in a while, like I just happened to watch part of Clue last night because it was on Pluto TV. Oh, Pluto TV. If you want to watch five minutes of Clue for no particular reason, <laughs> they've got you covered. Pluto, please sponsor us. Literally, I texted Frank because I just like needed to kill like twenty minutes before I went to bed, and I was like, "Oh, you're gonna play Lone Wolf McQuaid into Invasion USA? <laughs> like go. this is the greatest channel ever." <laughs> um, but uh, 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 yeah, it, it's just it. it uh, God, it. <laughs> it's just the movie is. So frustrating. Well, Tim Tim Curry is so iconic for our age group because yeah, of yeah. Rocky Horror and yep. Clue and and it, and yeah, I don't I don't hear him in this, which is a sh- which is weird because he is the best part of it, but it's also a shame because yeah. I yeah. he is as Pennywise, he's so his personality is so clear through the makeup effects, mm-hmm. which I don't know that. I, 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 I guess if you're going to put an actor into makeup effects like that, I feel like it's a slight disservice to the actor. Yeah. But then again, those makeup effects were so good. I mean, I, I could have put them on and anybody would have looked cool. I mean, I, oh, you yeah. know, it, that's the, the, why it's the disservice though, is because like right. all, we're a bunch of schlubs and we, like, we could <laughs> right. fucking look great in that. But like, as you said, combined with the claustrophobic sets where most of it, he's not really even moving or doing right. anything. And then you're relying on, okay, well, we'll get Tim Curry's voice, but we've modulated that. So then also it's like, basically you're sitting there going like, well, the way you pronounce that one word is right. Tim Curry-esque. But yeah. other than that, man, that chin is big. Like, yeah. man, those <laughs> right. horns yeah. are Man, you look really ripped. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you think that Carpenter saw this and thought, that's a cool idea about Satan coming through the mirror? That this is Prince of Darkness? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, he would never admit it, but I'd love to, like, find some <laughs> connection to Carpenter. He's like, I could do this better. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Answer, that yes, That sound design, though, that sound design when he comes out of the mirror with yeah. the hoofs and stuff, I thought that was really great. The hoof, yeah. that, that rattled my room. Is that the only yeah. time we see the hooves? I think yeah, so. I think so. That's weird too. We don't ever see like a full body shot. And when the hooves and they, they hit the ground, it was so powerful. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I'll say what's also just weird and plays into the non-world building. But 
when Blunder says shit. <laughs> it's like, wait. Oh. We're in a fantasy world where we're using, like, now is right. like we're using common vernacular from yeah. fucking 19th century yeah. 20th century america like <laughs> oh yeah but it it really threw me again my wife had stopped paying attention as she is usually my co-pilot in these half of the time it means she starts playing tiles on her phone halfway through <laughs> and then all of a sudden she looked up and she even said she's like did he just say shit and i was like yeah they also right before called someone big d which is like <laughs> you're just making nicknames up now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are certain parts of that that feel like that. Or even when um, Blix, before he uh, shoots that poison dart, says, the shot that be sweet as pie. Weird. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> well, Sexual. Blix, what? Yeah. Blix, like saying, I get your point in the beginning, was like a little pun oh, right yeah. at the top. And do you guys feel like the movie, if it had... And obviously we saw this in like Princess Bride and, and Never Ending Story, <laughs> and maybe like the most successful fantasy... I don't know, like Beastmaster doesn't have a, a, an entryway, you know, or, or like the, I love the last unicorn as a kid, like, mm -hmm. but, Me too. but this felt like it had no entryway. I think maybe the, if I did see it as a kid, that's why it didn't connect to me. Like if Tom Cruise had been a normal kid sucked into this world yeah. and had to, yeah. everybody knows what the world is. Nobody, nobody has to have it explained to them or have any part of it be shocking. It's like, Oh yeah, there's this fucking dude and he's got eight foot horns and you know, and there's this guy and this thing, and nothing is ever surprising to anybody in the movie. And I feel like having a an entryway character would have been really massively helpful. I mean, you struck oh, yeah. upon one of the reasons the never ending story kind of works in this concept is that it is a kid. Like it's just like kids like watching kids. There is yeah. just a simple fact. I identified with bastion so much yeah. and i think that's why that really resonated with me like everything about his life like was just like yeah i feel like bastion and i feel like this outsider kid for sure right. and then you get to be part of this fantasy world it's like yeah even though he doesn't become part of it until the very end but he's still living through it as we live through movies and stuff as kids you know like yeah I we think escape it's, i think it's a lack of uh, even though everyone involved was probably youngish at this point, but how young they were, it's just like old men mm -hmm. trying to figure out what, like, maybe an, a younger audience would want. If you're sitting there and you're like, ugh, the soundtrack is the problem. We need to make it modern. <laughs> right. And even at that time, you're talking <laughs> 80s Tangerine Dream, which I love. When they've yeah. decided to an eighties yes, an eighties yes, <laughs> yeah. an eighties Brian Ferry Brian mixed Ferry. with eighties <laughs> Pink Floyd, that is a fucking boomer's idea, right? Of yep. what the kids want, and no, what 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 I want as a forty three year old is that looking right. back because I can now have music wise enough musical knowledge that i can look at those 80s albums and be like all right i recognize that that part doesn't exactly work there's a lot of surprising zam fear style fucking pan flute but through a synth on this <laughs> right. but there's yeah. enough in there and now i've grown to understand why this guy in a fucking crazy blue giant leather jacket is awesome like when it <laughs> didn't resonate as a kid but like none of those choices besides yeah. Tom Cruise kind of being eye candy, but as you said, like doesn't even isn't even given like he doesn't speak for a while. 
Right. And it's unclear yeah. who he is when he speaks. He's just like, hey, he's a guy who kind of is in the forest. And then if you're piecing it together, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to know he's Jack of the Forest, which you're kind of coming off of the old like stories about Jack of the Forest, but yeah. not really. Like, like he has magical connections somehow through bloodlines. Yeah, but and, even yeah. that, I'm like, wait, can he talk to animals? Can he not? Is that a power? What is his No, deal? he just has a connection to the magic realm, uh, the magic world with fairies. And so he can communicate. That's why he's able to talk to the imps and stuff like that. That's why he's able to get along with them. And they, they trust him because he is one with the earth. And that's why he's so this? piss poor at explaining <laughs> To yeah. fucking her to not touch a unicorn, like Jesus, like yeah, the, it's it's all it's just years of knowing this movie and implied and talking to other people about it. It's not a I, I go to the conventions and stuff and uh, no, <laughs> I don't know anything I, that happened. In the, like when you're saying yeah. that, I'm like, what the fuck was I uh, doing? Yeah, in this movie? that's what I'm in, that's what I'm taking away from it because of the way that um uh what's his uh the the kind of pan character what's uh oh uh honey buckle bottom or whatever gump. his name is. no 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 um gump right why am i forgetting oh honey uh, thorn gump no yeah gump yeah, yeah, yeah sorry yeah. yeah yeah that's why why am i forgetting that but like yeah gump why gump has that relationship with jack even he even says like and why he's so forgiving of the fact when he says it's love and all this other stuff and right it's it's Tom Cruise's character has that connection with the magical realm, and that's why he knows all these things, and they communicate with them. And he's anyway. Duran Duran should have been on the soundtrack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say too, I'm realizing now that one of the reasons I have like phantom trauma from this is because it's that actor. We've talked about how you know we love uh, as a kid going to the video store, but that there would be certain. VHS boxes you have to walk past. Yes. I didn't, the tin drum VHS would freak me out. Yeah. Like the look on his face, like stressed me out just as much as the phenomena, like fucking VHS. Like it might as yeah. well have been a horror movie. And like, so I'm like that. And it's like also, I'm like sitting there looking at him in the movie now. I was like, were you in Gothic? A movie I'm not sure I've ever seen, but that VHS box always freaked That's me the out. one that always fucked me up as a kid is the Gothic yeah. cover. I was trying to look it up which one it was. Yeah, so, yeah Gothic where. The guy who takes the guy who has the horns and the and the cage over his mask when he takes his helmet off, that's the guy on the cover that's of the Gothic. That's the guy from Gothic, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Wow. And then, Goth- and of course, yeah, David Bennett Bennett has that thing because they said he's like eighteen in this as Gump, and that's why he's he's so perfect for the Tin Drum because the Tin Drum the character decides to never age again, and so sees wow. all these atrocities of Europe. Right. And so he he has that kind of like thing where he looks older than he is. He's, he's, I don't, he's not a little person, but he's, he's a person with like some kind of growing disability or something. So it's like a jockey. Yeah. Yeah. So he's really, he has that really the kid old from face. Children of the corn. Yeah. And that's in him being in this also adds more gravitas. Like the tin drum is a massive, important movie, like an yeah. Academy award winning thing. And to bring him in here, and then once again, you kind of undercut him, like you overdub him and and force him I, I to think, run around in a sh- yeah, shirt. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like he's Apparently one of the his, more. His voice was too German. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, of course. But, <laughs> but like, I feel like he's one of the more, uh, I don't know, compelling characters in the movie movie. And, and maybe obviously because he has the least amount of makeup and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I wanted more from him, too. Yeah, it's uh yeah, I now I'm just I, I agree. I mean it's it's he is 
but also combined with his characters confusing like every other character in right. this. So you're not sure what you're supposed to be getting out of Honeythorn Gump. Combined with also his yeah. name sounds like like that's the thing is like some of the names, the elements like that sound like when it's a food brand. Yeah, <laughs> I love getting it. Yeah, I love Honeythorn Gump. Uh, when they merge, Gump makes the best laundry detergent and Honeythorn makes right. great uh, crackers. Um, yeah. But it's also sounds like names like when I first watched Lady in the Water, the only time it was just oh. like, you don't understand how any of this stuff works. M. Night. Speaking like, of somebody who so didn't dumb. handle fantasy. Well. Exactly. Right. I will say, too, with Gothic, we always, me and Jay uh, Green from Working Panthers, always uh, hated that box, but always looked at it and thought, that looks like the singer of Life of Agony. Like, in the video for Through and Through, I believe, that was always on Headbangers Ball. It was just like, we'd always call that the Gothic shot. <laughs> um, Gothic, and that's maybe why I feel yeah. disconcerted, like, just yeah. in general. Have you ever seen that movie? I've never actually watched you know, Gothic. It's Ken Russell, and it's like, it's the night they all came up with, like, the Shelleys are there, and they came up with Frankenstein and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And it's it's terrible. It's like late, <laughs> you know, Ken Russell and Nicholas Rogue kind of get to that point where, like, their movies are like, you can't find an entryway, and you're yeah. like, what? But I've, I've still kind of investigated all those, and you're like... I still want to watch that movie, even yeah. though I know I've seen it two or three times and it's terrible. Yeah. But the cover <laughs> art, cover art is better than the movie for sure. I, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I also want to just say for disappointment, I could be wrong. Beyond that, it's a bad boomer's idea to have Tandrew Dream be your modern soundtrack. I also swear that there are uh, little pieces on here that are not on the actual vinyl soundtrack. Like there's like these sections, yeah. like I think by the castle, there starts to be like this, like arpeggiated sequence. And I was just like, I'm, I did a re a quick re-listen before I started like of my vinyl copy. And I was like, I'm not finding it on here. I think you needed more room to fit the John Anderson song on. So right. it took yeah. it away combined with again, Ridley Scott, and granted, it's like you're when you're kind of when you're retrofitting a cut to work to new music that's given to you th made in three weeks, but it doesn't feel like the the movie sometimes is cut to the music exactly. Like it's it does sometimes feel like they just had to slap it on, and then the sound design will usurp the music sometimes like kind of you know denigrating the tangerine dreamness of it and you know especially like just so many horror movies where you're like well don't bury the music at this part like you need that should be front and center that's the thing that's gonna fucking drive you right and when you need something to drive you you need something in this movie to drive you from dander to dander <laughs> like it's just insane yeah you know while you're talking about the director's cut and all these cuts it's interesting that you know, of course, there wasn't studio cut on this, apparently. He, he, you know, maybe there was, but he made the cuts himself. Right. Yep. You know, I, I, I think maybe he made the cuts in Blade Runner himself. Maybe there was some interference. I know people didn't like the over, the voiceover, whatever. It's interesting that he's such, he seems such a cocksure craftsman and an egomaniac, yet is under, undercutting himself, not sure what to do. And I find him, I find him and him and he and Tony, their, their careers are so interesting. Like the hunger is kind of like this movie too, where every single element of the hunger I love, 
but the movie is not good. You know, literally like, last that's another night. one I really like, but yeah, yeah. But I literally mean, last night, thing. Ryan, my buddy <laughs> who I do docs till death with, uh, my other podcast, uh-huh. uh, Matt was texting me and he was saying the same as he's like, he had either watched it when he was a kid or rewatched. And he was just like, this movie's boring. Like, it's like, there's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Going, and he's like, and then when it was done, he goes, whatever. Like, he's like great music, great aesthetics, right. great clothing. Susan Sarandon is hot. <laughs> Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. Catherine Deneuve. Bowie, is, yeah. Opens a Bauhaus. I mean, every single thing yes. about it is absolute perfection. That's where he started, because I forgot Bauhaus was in it, yeah. too. <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, Deneuve and Bowie, I'm like, Ugh. okay, you know, yeah. like, I could not be more attracted in every level, but like, it's, yeah, it is, it, it, but you know, it, these guys were just, they were commercial directors and music video directors, and they don't, they don't care about people. No. But in an interesting way where they don't come off like Kubrick or Fincher or whoever else that like those guys obviously don't give a shit about human beings. No. And when they succeed, they succeed despite them. But I don't know, the Scots, there's like this weird thing where they're like, it's like they're trying to cover up their heart where maybe like Fincher and Kubrick have no heart. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> like, why would you make this movie if you didn't have some kind of romanticism in you? Yeah. Yet he couldn't, he couldn't let it out you know it, it's it, very interesting it speaks a little bit to uh, the, the kind of like armchair psychoanalyzing of just this again we mentioned it before but just the sadness in the scott family yeah. and that like yeah. and that the aesthetics and and almost you're like are you uh are you one not caring about actors and human beings in a way not in a auteur way but as a way to cover up feeling pain again and pain that you will continue to feel like you know as like tony passes away um and then also going back to sketch like is it that you are like the confident asshole characters like you're just so unconfident that you're confident in your your being a jerk and when it comes across it, because I've never thought about this until, you know, because I don't think about legend that much, but until you <laughs> brought it up, Ryan, that's just like the parallels of this and Blade Runner, where they had to, it's it's all under his hand, whether it's got uh, injection from other people, but also the lack of confidence in should we have voiceover? Should we not have voiceover? Are they getting this? Maybe they're not getting it. Maybe I need to over-explain it. And I mean, Legend, like, again, like, they explain, like, three times right. what is happening. There's no need for the scrawl because it doesn't really give you much information beyond the aesthetics that you're getting. And then they'll repeat the information later. And it starts to feel like the confidence of the visuals might as well just be the Macintosh commercial that he did. And then it's an unconfidence in... Maybe this doesn't work, but maybe I'm just going to fake it till I make it sort of right. thing. And it does now. Re- it's hard to not kind of look at it with, uh, I don't know, a sadness. Like, just like there's a sadness behind yeah. the Scots. Yeah. It's deeply personal. I mean, because he worked on this for a long time. He had the idea. And I think that ultimately, if you want to get like, you know, psychoanalytic with it of of like the light and the darkness that the two have to exist and you know they're always battling each other i think that probably has a lot to do with what yeah he, why it's so personal to him and why he was overthinking things i think combined right. with if you're bringing in those themes which are these biblical but larger but also human themes and then 
whether again it's studio or what have you, like uh, making a cut that takes leaves them in but takes them all out, right? Like and and because one stoner said no dice, <laughs> right. it again shows to what you're saying, right? The utter lack of confidence in what this guy that has. I've never thought of Ridley Scott as unconfident in some right. way. Like it's just never really, not that I've never, I just never occurred to me. But then when you think about the way art is made and, 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 and the way he has made his art, that it's just like, man, like he's just like all bluster. Well, that whole generation, I mean, if boomers are anything, they are, they hate, they hate introspection. Yeah. They, <laughs> and as we've seen through all the other directors of his era, they keep trying to perfect their masterpieces and you're yeah. like, why they're already perfect, but right. they have this lack, like they want to be more perfect and they have that, that, and I don't think it comes from introspection. I don't think they come down and sit, sit there and truly think apocalypse now could be better. You yeah. know, <laughs> they don't think star Wars could be better. They think I am better now than I was then. So I'll make this better. And you know, this is coming to me when you were talking, Jeff, like, Probably the Scots, they're British, you know, they're born in what, the 40s? Like, those guys do not want to sit down and talk about their feelings or no. think about how they feel inside. Yep. He wants to fucking, I'm going to, I just have to believe this movie had a lot of cocaine involved. Yeah. And that he's just <laughs> yeah. like snorting lines and like, let's edit the living shit out of this Getting thing. through the pain. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. The Britishness is important. I mean, look, Genesis is my favorite band. And one of the billion reasons I love Genesis is their British stoicism towards feelings is insane. And like, I might <laughs> oh, enjoy yeah. watching them interview more than their music, but I, that's just hard pressed for me to say because I love their music so much. But like, I talked about it a lot, but I think me and Frank, we talked about it, but the fact that they did, they just did a documentary for the BBC going into the last Domino tour. And they're talking about how Phil can't sing and he can't stand like, because, and, and, Mike Rutherford basically is just like, I think if he just tried a little bit, he could probably do it. But, you know, I'm not going to say anything to him. Like, he's just like, <laughs> okay. And it's like right. such, I love it because it's charming because it's both like kind of how old friends are where like it's right. easier to say this shit to new friends versus we've known each other since fucking grade school sort of shit. Yeah. But it is that just like, it could be just so simple if Mike Rutherford just talked or like right. they constantly, every interview, they're just like shitting on Tony Banks <laughs> and like, he just kind of sit there taking it. But it's like, that is that kind of, they're all, or will just be like, I don't know. We just kind of grew up in British school. You don't really talk much about your ragamoos. <laughs> and like, you're right. just like, all right, I guess we'll just move on. Yeah. <laughs> but the beauty of that is, and why I love it. And, uh, and why I also love genre is, Something that I maybe hit upon too hard in my last couple of years of teaching, but like you can't escape the subconscious. Like you right. can't. You can be as fucking hidden to yourself as you can, as you want to be in your day to day. It's going to fucking come out at some point in your writing, in a scene you decided on, in a cut that you have made. And and in this case, it's like the subconscious has come across that you end up having three fucking intros to a movie that needs one that's just clearer and then any sort of character development. But... It is so interesting. Think about that. These like when you're watching the regular version, you are watching constantly also being like, what exactly is the fucking theme here? 
Like, I'm not going to fall into just a very simple, like, oh, it's good and evil. Like, because also even that, I want to know what your take on good and evil is, honestly. That's like a conversation you and I have had over many years of like, well, that's if you're a person who believes there's good and evil. Like, if you don't really think that there is good and evil, that it's like life is actually more nuanced, like then we're going to maybe have a more nuanced story. But if you're just throwing at me like, eh, this is classic good and evil, but also it's a confusing take on it. And now you got to deal with more <laughs> bullshit, but nothing's happening, but it's nonstop cuts. You're just like, oh my God, you sad, sad people. I'm so sorry for the Scott brothers. <laughs> <laughs> they are a wild ride. And, but just like, I think that's also one of the, one of the many reasons we like doing this podcast is I can kind of get more enjoyment out of some of these things by going way too into the fucking, like, what they think they're doing there. Like, yeah. But it's also why I just, the last thing I want to say is like, I, I, to connect to uh, last week's episode, I don't know if you th- felt this way, Frank, at all, but like watching Legend, I was like, oh, it's like we're watching the other side of the coin of a, the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. Where it was yeah. like, Adventure of the Buckaroo Banzai, we've said, is just like every idea thrown against the fucking wall. It is yeah. the uncertainty, just like Ridley Scott, because it's like a collection of 20 different scripts that like they never finished and then kept yeah. jamming together. But there's more of a, I have at least more of a general charm for Banzai than Legend. Oh, yeah. Because I think it's also a little bit more of an underdog movie versus this is Ridley Scott. Like, fucking, you're kind of like, I have sympathy for the Scott brothers, and you're working off of Alien. You've got this big budget. Like, you know, like, I just think yeah. it's it's a little bit less of an underdog story. And so I find a charm in the what the fuck is going on in Bonsai right. more than I think I have. Because it also, much like Bonsai gets confused maybe on some of the genre stuff as we talked about where you're like this this is not a chop sake 70s kung fu movie but you think it is for some reason at times but it is more confident in leaning into genre and seems to have more of a knowledge of it than maybe the makers also having more fun with it it's kind of like a little self-aware but then like being like yeah who cares this is great we're making this yeah legend is an unbelievably unfun movie (laughs) <laughs> yeah which yes which is the plus i, I, I think for some viewers and probably for elements of it for you like i but like there's yeah. it is that's where you could also bring in the term i don't love and you brought up before around about the pretentiousness but it's just like there's no because we've just talked about the scott's fucking deep subconscious like there is no irony in there and there is no no awareness that like we are flawed human beings and like <laughs> any of that shit that's kind of coming across in bonsai, which maybe comes like at at the very least, you're like all right, that's fun. There's a watermelon. Why is that watermelon there? Let's like get into that weirdness. This well, is just an unfun movie. Oh, I don't feel like Legend is pretentious personally. I, I kind of right, feel right. like it is. Yeah, I don't feel like he is a pretentious filmmaker. Except I, I just pulled up his his filmography. Except in maybe something like gladiator or all the money in the world like i can't I actually can't wait to see that gucci movie because it just looks like oh. such trash yes. but it looks oh, so yeah. good and i don't know anything about lady gaga but she oh, just man. looks like garbage in that like in, <laughs> oh, yeah. in, 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 a, in like she's playing a garbage character i guess but yeah. no one on that set apparently of house of gucci ever looked at any other actor and was just like maybe these accents are wild 
right. no, the bare they minimum. all were like, I'm going to top you. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just saw the trailer the other day uh, at the theater and we were both, my wife and I were like, we're going to fuck. I yeah, want yes. to be the richest world in the world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like father, son, house of Gucci. I'm like, you said the name in the ta- trailer. Like, yeah. I loved it. Like it, every but, line in that trailer feels like it's from a sketch parody. Sketch. Right. Yes. Like it exactly. feels like a genre. Like it's an parody. SNL. Yes. Yeah. But I don't like he that's probably a pretentious movie or like a very like this is a this is Oscar bait for all involved. But for all of us, it's trash. And just like Prometheus, once I came around to Prometheus and was like, this is just Planet of the Vampires. (laughs) This is amazing. This is the best looking trash movie I've ever seen. And I love it and watch it over and over and over again. So. I want Maybe, to come around yeah. to Prometheus because I, that is it. That description I'm sounds like what we fucking talk about, and we talked about it at the beginning the meeting of high art and low art. Yeah, like in the meeting of trash and and genius. And maybe if I came middle. back to Legend with that in mind, maybe I would. You know, after all this talk, I feel like I need to watch the director's cut. I hate to say it. But. <laughs> and I want you to. And I am very worried that I am definitely going to watch it as well. Uh, and then, but as I said earlier, will it end up being a Halloween 6 Curse of Michael Myers oh, direct, yeah. director slash producer's cut versus original cut? Where I watch where it and then I'm like. If you put two together, then you have a good movie. Right. But mm. on its own, it's a little like, eh. And even yeah. when you put it together and you have a good movie, at best you have a good movie. Like not a great Halloween movie. <laughs> right. Let's not go crazy. With a grown soundtrack. <laughs> exactly. When is when is the Canon Canon Phantom Tingle edit happening of uh, of all uh, these movies? Oh, I mean, you, you, your massive oh edit. Yeah, yeah. I, I it, Jesus, that would be the horniest uh, movie that you've ever fucking. We'll do seen. it for Valentine's Day. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> the Valentine's Day Phantom Tingle special. Oh man, God, I. So many Phantom Tingles have come up <laughs> during this <laughs> podcast. Uh, there's just so many. It's just like, I'm just constantly shocked. Like, because again, that's why they're the Phantom is like, I forget that they existed. And I think that term showed up the first time with Mannequin because it really wasn't when yeah. we first watched Mannequin. I was like, oh, wow, this is this is where Jeff Garlock became a sexual being yeah. <laughs> and stopped being Weird a little science, boy. Yeah. Uh, Weird Science is what, like, oh, man. That was, yeah, Weird Science and Mannequin for me. Yeah, those were definitely. Ugh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I was just thinking about Weird Science the other day, too. Uh, somebody brought up Kelly LeBrock and I was just like I was thinking about because I was listening to yeah. Oingo Boingo and I was like well <laughs> oh yeah but well, I'm always listening I to mean Oingo that's every Boingo, fucking so, day yeah. Um, yeah so I mean is there is there anything we missed before we wrap up about Legends anything we want yeah Ryan say? anything that you has anyone ever spoken about Legend to this extent Frank you would know but <laughs> I, I think there have been a few podcasts and like documentary things but like uh no yeah we're gonna I be that we're gonna be the hit of legend con so ryan yeah. get ready oh yeah it's your next i'm job. ready i'm putting on the fucking horns <laughs> yeah. i'm i was about to say you start building now yeah i'm uh-huh. there's gonna be like reddit threads like how you could put your own ghostbusters costume together like an accurate one yes. there's like how do you make tim curry's satan costume yeah. when you guys see me as gump it's gonna be a, a hot Jesus. night <laughs> Yeah, that's the easiest costume. Another know, yeah. another music connection. I forgot that at one point I realized I thought Una looked like the woman from Die Antwoord, and I was oh, like, "That's okay. what it, it was." I was trying to, yeah, because she's got the bang thing. She's got the fucked up yeah. front bang thing with the long. I was like, thing who does she back. look like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I just think this is. It has a big aesthetic 
influence on the world. Uh, it does, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, it's a movie that every time you're like, I think I like Lynchage. I think, I, I, yeah, I remember that looking cool. And then you'll start it. Everyone but Frank, of course. <laughs> I have a few yeah, uh, final please. thoughts. Uh, I One thing I forgot to mention, when you talked about the, the Gump ADR, uh, that freaked me out as a kid. Gump's voice kind of freaked me out, but it also was in that way of being like, oh, I kind of like this. It's just kind of weird and creepy and off. And I knew it wasn't the kid's voice, so it was like our man's voice. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get uh, it. But uh, this is something that always like I thought was strange. Do you... Do you know what the whole thing with blackbirds and pie what what the whole deal was with that because you know when he's in the pie and they open it up and blackbirds came out and i remember reading fantasy books or like uh fairy tale books as a kid and they'd always have blackbirds and pie if i don't know my guess is always the plague like it's just like honest, it's just like across the board. It's like, always yeah. Replaced. If I don't know what's <laughs> happening in like a grim fairy tale or an old children's song, like I I would say nine times out of the ten, it comes back to yeah, a black plague. Uh, and I'm just going yeah. black birds, black plague. No, I don't myself. Um, yeah, it did take me a while to realize that was a pie. Um. And then, yeah. was, I mean, also got to just say off of that, like, this is, again, a PG movie. This is before <laughs> right. we established PG-13. I'm pretty sure the first scene is like a snuff film. Like, watching someone get tortured in hell is like yeah. a scene yeah. from, like, Begotten meets Sallow. <laughs> like, that also freaked me out as a kid, too. That whole, like, any of the torture scenes or, like, the way that when he gets a hit with that scalded water and that, like, low pitch like <laughs> oh, i was like no nah. yes. it scared me yeah. um but yeah some really great lines on here like don't you know me boy <laughs> he becomes the tall man every now and then yeah, He's yeah. a little angus and then, uh, <laughs> uh beneath the skin we are all one we said that yeah. uh but I, I wrote down my observation this time is that it feels like it could have been a don bluth cartoon yeah, yeah. from the 80s like this could have easily been like a don bluth like animated yeah. feature man if there was like a dragon's lair space ace legend video game i could have pumped quarters in and gotten stuck oh, yeah. on that first scene <laughs> well legend of zelda was a uh, legend of zelda actually was uh supposedly this movie inspired legend of zelda. let me tell you though frank this is why when people jump down our throats about getting facts wrong also if you got that from wikipedia if you keep scrolling down there's a second to last fact. I'm pretty sure the wording is there's a rumor that this was the basis for Legend of Zelda and they're wrong. Yeah, like, and, and okay. IM, IMDB said it was erroneously credited, but somewhere else said it was credited. <laughs> right. And for me... Oh boy, that's the internet, baby. <laughs> I Zelda was my most hated game as a kid. Really? I feel like there's really? just two types of people. Like, I just hated yeah. Zelda. Bored. So when I saw that, I read the trivia before the movie i was like oh well that might <laughs> might not be the legend demographic then yeah. i hated the game or i didn't love the game of zelda because it was boring to me too because of everything but i liked it because of the music yeah good music yeah, uh, yeah. great dungeon synth influence <laughs> oh yeah album. yeah and, you know i'm an uh, ocarina of time majora's mask fan ever since uh, <laughs> so maybe i should give legend a second watch <laughs> and you called me a nerd Jeff. <laughs> yeah. big time nerd ogre stop yelling at me <laughs> um yeah do we have any other thoughts frank 
No, other than like when we were trying to sum up the movie on IMDb, it called it's the summary is a young man must stop the Lord of Darkness from destroying daylight and marrying the woman he loves. I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> that looks hilarious. <laughs> uh, oh man, what was the line? That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I'm just trying to find. Oh, bow down to the unicorn is my favorite stoner rock album. <laughs> Uh, Hell <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, got that desert rock, yeah. That sound. It's like Brant. That's Bjork a Kaya album. Like, yeah, exactly. It's a B side. Yeah, there's a split. Nico very shirtless all over it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Like I heard Fu Manchu covering it. <laughs> Fu Manchu, connect back to me and Ryan. That when uh, the last tour I ever did with my band Panthers was a tour that we did with Ryan Coliseum, and the only tour we considered after two weeks with Fubachu. <laughs> you should have done it man i know but we, at that point it was me and jay we were like getting close to <laughs> napalm death territory and we were just like we lost money on that tour we came home and paid out our drummer and we were in the red oh, yeah. like that was uh that tour in a nutshell and i remember <laughs> you got napalm death and then i feel like i talked after you're like i don't know <laughs> like, that was a rough tour but yeah, yeah. I, I did i did talk about barney from napalm death he's one of the nicest people i've ever met and every time you would see him, like if you walked around the corner and saw him, then you walked down the hall and came back by and walked by past him, he'd say, there he is, every <laughs> single time. There he is. <laughs> it was like his catchphrase. He said, every time he saw you, it was so endearing. He rules. Can I say, I don't know if you have, I'm amazed we went this whole time without giving any Matt Pike-isms. Matt Pike from High and Fire just being on <laughs> tour with a, a cartoon the whole time. And I loved it. But yeah. like I the what I don't know if you were with me when we left Ramshead in Baltimore and we were walking out to our van and Pike walked out and they had that garage above us and mm-hmm. someone dumped a bottle of water out and the first thing that Pike yelled at was someone's peeing on me. <laughs> 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 and in my mind, that's what sums up that bike to me. That in the first tour, our first show, we met up in in Arizona, and he's like, "You don't drink, I'm gonna be the devil on your shoulder. You'll be drinking oh by the end God. of this tour." And I was like, "I don't think it's gonna happen, man." And it didn't happen because I know me. <laughs> I remember him bowling at the uh, the Magic Stick in Detroit, and he's like doing like karate kicks and stuff between between frames. And I was like, "Okay." And then. I don't know if somebody else said it to me or if I've like, he's late period Elvis. And then it just all like fit into, to, yeah, I was like, okay. yeah. If this crew just are going, oh, Tony Elvis, oh, you got this. Cause yeah, he was bowling without putting, he was doing that palm bowling. He didn't put his oh, fingers boy. in and he would bowl. And then he did one move. I remember, I feel like it was like you and me like sitting next to each other. And you're like, I'm going to go to the merch table where he like, <laughs> He would bowl and then turn so he wouldn't look at it. He'd pull like a kingpin, but then he like only hit like two pins. And he like <laughs> turned around. He's like, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> was, he, yeah. he, he t- I'll leave out a little bit of this information, but to try to like make it as, uh, as, as innocuous as possible. But he was like, Ryan, you know, somebody had called him and said that, they o- that he owed them money and he didn't think that he did. This was a bill that was due. So he's like, so I called him up and I was like, you motherfucker, I'm going to fucking come down there and rip your fucking face off and shit down your throat, rip your fucking, you know, arms off and kill your kids and burn your house down. Da, da, da. And I go, well, what did they say? He goes, that was a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and I was like, all right, like, sounds about right. <laughs> I might have come back from that tour, a broken up band and with no money, but man, my, my pockets were full of Matt Pike stories. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was those, a dream those, one to add, Don. Yeah, those age better than crypto, for sure. <laughs> they so. really, truly do. Yeah. God, if I could invest in Pike dollars, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, so uh, at this point, Ryan, this is where we give our rating. Uh, and so this is a canon-related film. Uh, so here in our rating system, we give our rating one to 10 canons. Now, this is, of course, not whether we like the movie or not, but how do you feel like it might have fit in the canon production world between one to 10 canons? Ryan, what you got? And en- on an enjoyment level, I would put it at a five. I did not hate it. I did not love it. <laughs> love it. So that, that's where I'd put it. How about in relation to... Does it feel like a canon film? Almost. Like I said, it, it like it it's like the highest class. I felt like it fit in as a canon. Like I felt yeah. like it was an an eight on a canon scale. It just wasn't trashy enough. Yeah. But it, you know, yeah. I had to look up, did Rob Botine do the effects on Masters of the Universe? Because I thought fucking Billy Barty, is that his name? Yep. Uh, yep. You know, like he as Gwildor. Yes, his stuff is his his appearance is almost identical in the two movies. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I felt like it was very canon. It was like if canon was trying to get an Academy Award, this is what they would have done. I agree. Yeah, Frank, what do you got? Yeah, I think it's closer to Masters as far as like the the production, you know, shooting for the stars type of thing, uh, shooting uh, darkness out into the stars. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think for canon, I think this like fits for me at like a six or a five. Okay. Because it is missing a little bit of that that sleaziness, a little bit more of like really questionable choices and even more of a mess, I think, would feel more canon to me. Yeah. I'm going to split the difference and give it seven canons. I just feel like go. the it is missing the sleaziness, although... Uh, questionable eroticism throughout uh but i think the fact that uh if it was a little bit later it might have even earned it more but it falls in that what you said there ryan the idea that they're trying to go for an oscar and that's why i think it being an 86 gives an extra canon to me because it feels like they're like we're gonna get one of our prestige directors maybe they're a little bit down on their luck that's the only part that gets taken away but we're gonna get an oscar with this like, there's no way, if this was canon proper, Menachem and Yoram would have put as much as they could into it because they would be convinced they yeah. would have gotten a fucking Oscar on this thing. And for best picture, <laughs> they would have been talking, yeah. they would have been talking it up at Khan like it's nobody's business. But it would have had more of a, like, the apple flavor to it. Oh, it would have gotten fucked up. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Ridley Scott <laughs> wouldn't have even been able to finish it. Menachem would have come in <laughs> yeah. and start taking over. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, it's wild. I'm glad we talked about it. And, uh, I was so glad to talk about it with you, Ryan. This is so that fucking was a blast. Fun. Yeah. yeah I, I, I love it. This is, this is, this is the dialogue that goes on in my head all day. So <laughs> yeah. it's good to actually be speaking to other humans about it. That is sometimes, <laughs> yeah. The, one of the few, the main reasons we do this is to just get the dialogue out of our heads. Right. Uh, yeah. Not just making ourselves insane, walking around right. doing this the whole time. Um, and, and it, yeah. As you guys know, like I love talking about the positives and negatives of something 
without I don't I don't hate this movie. No, it's like I, I have a lot right. of friends that like we watch something and I and I tear it apart afterwards, which doesn't mean that I hated it. I yeah, still yeah. really yeah. enjoyed watching it. You know, I just love to to dissect it. It's so fun. So yeah, I, I love that you guys are doing this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Because it's just, yeah. I do, like, it's, it's you know, uh, if you're living in some black and white version of how the world works and entertainment, that's insanity. Like, right. just like, yeah. and, and, and you should be able to tear apart the things you love the most. Uh, yes. Like, yeah. you need me to shit on punk and metal? Like all day long, I'll do it all day long, <laughs> right, man. Exactly. Oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I love it more than anything that's ever existed in the entire world. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, it, it was so awesome to talk about the, all this with you, uh, Ryan. Um, where can people find you? Uh, I am on Instagram as at photocrime f o t o c r i m e. That's that's my music and kind of personal stuff. I do a, a clothing brand called Cat Magic Punks. That's all like cat and punk themed type designs. I do a little bit of like, uh, you know, social justice and nonprofit fundraising through that. And then also own a company called shirt killer that sells an orchid t-shirt. So you can support Jeff's former musical projects. And I, people I do stop also... buying the fucking Harry Potter bootleg. Shirt oh no, there's one is, of those. There's one that's orchid. It's dance tonight, 10 inch, but it's got, it says Potter and it infuriates me because I can't stand Harry Potter, let uh, alone a bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> the I only official place you're getting is, is fucking shirt killer. That is the yeah. only official place you're getting an orchid shirt at this point. Sorry, yes. go on. No. So, so all these great bands, uh, on there and that's awesome. So, so those are the things I do. Yeah. So photo crime, cat magic punks and shirt killer. Check them all out. They're awesome. I truly do love photo crime. Uh, I know you. I've said it to you before. Uh, uh, I've always loved you and your bands, but like photo crime is fantastic. Uh, and uh, we all should be uh, trying to get, uh, you know, grow and get better in our art as we keep being artists. And isn't that the fucking point of this whole world? Seriously. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, Frank. Where can people find us? Well, uh, I loved this movie, so if you loved it too, or you love it, <laughs> you can contact us at uh, <laughs> at the Canon Canon Second Canon is one in on Instagram and Twitter, and also don't forget, hey, why not? Just on the Discord, you can even talk about this Please. on our Patreon. Um, we could discuss uh, the movie even further there, but you go to patreon.com slash the Canon Canon second Canon is one in, and we can discuss, uh, your loves or your dislikes of, uh, this, uh, classic. I might even start its own thread on discord. Are yeah. they called threads? I don't even know. I, still I don't know. We're still figuring it, it out. I'm yeah, I'm confused by it it's but whatever called legend point counterpoint it's just gonna be a, a year-long discussion of if it's good or not uh, yeah. uh and i'll see you at legend con <laughs> <laughs> and if you need me and frank to be a talking head on your uh your documentary legend, about documentary, legends yeah. or literally any fantasy movies yes yeah. we will literally we have said it before we can sit there and go the interesting part about michael myers is we don't yeah. know why he does what he does <laughs> the uh, thing about legend is there was nothing like it before ever since <laughs> but it did influence a lot <laughs> we can give you uh yeah pithy one-liners that give no information and also yeah. uh are not funny uh all at once we could do that give us money let us do that right uh the darkness seems like a bad date <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, legend. Mm, no, thank you. That's it. Then you're just like, did that say <laughs> yeah, anything? It, yeah. I don't know what that was. But thank you all for listening. Uh, check out all of our stuff. And until yeah. next week, I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. This is The Canon. Canon. Every wolf suffers fleas. For goodness sake!